You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Have a listen. Okay, this is the big one. A sit-down with the man himself, Jeff Thompson. We met up at Mariners Park just a few days after the day when five to 600 Shields fans invaded Whitby for a much-needed three-away points. Jeff was very open and honest about everything from the early days to Project EFL. To be fair, he could have chosen not to answer some of my questions, but to his credit, he did. Have a listen. Yeah, the journey so far, I mean, I've read Ross Gregory's book, and, and it was funny because I, I'm a bandwagoner, really. Came on board about halfway through the Vars run. Um, but already, uh, with that book, it feels as if I've been part of history. Yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's a strange yeah. feeling. But, um, yeah, from Eden to Paradise, great title as well. So, uh, going straight right back to where you um, didn't know anything about Southshire's Football Club, didn't even know whether they existed or not. What's your connection with football itself? Well, I mean, firstly, I'm a South Shields lad, which yeah, yeah. most people so know. Nice. So, you know, born, yeah. born and bred and uh, went to school here and then eventually school in Jarrow. <coughs> South Shields been my home and my family's home for such a long time. So I, I knew about South Shields Football Club, obviously, as a younger lad. And I used to go to a, a number of games up at Simonside Hall. So my point is, it wasn't an unknown no, entity to me. No. You know, I knew about the club. The thing that I didn't know, which I've commented on before, I didn't know the predicament the club were in. I hadn't appreciated that they'd been effectively kicked out of the ground in that, in our hometown. And that's really why I sort of chose to get involved. Uh, because I got a letter from Bob Ray and met Bob Ray yeah. and Gary. Yeah. So I'd responded to this letter from them. And then I realised the sort of predicament at that point that the club were in. Mm. And really it all started from there, really. In terms of my other football interests, I suppose, you know, I, I, I never played at any particularly decent level. No, neither <laughs> did I, but I did play. <laughs> so I used to play, you know, and I played sort of Sunday League stuff, really. And then I, you know, I followed Sunderland for quite a number of years. Mm. But, you know, it's great to get involved here. And I felt like we were, I was doing the right thing, you know, trying to help my hometown club. So, you know. Was there any point in the process where you thought, why am I doing this? Or where um, you, you thought you'd bitten off more and you could chew? No, not really, no. And I'm not being polite by answering like that. No, I, no, I haven't felt like that. I think probably more latterly, because of our success or our relative, relative success, you know, and the, and the momentum we've now got and the kind of trajectory that the club's on, that is something that I think about a lot because, you know, obviously I've got a big responsibility to try and keep the club moving in the right direction. Mm. And so I do spend a lot of time not thinking I've bitten off more than I can chew, but I do spend time thinking where do we go next, you know, and how do we how do we achieve that? So there's a big responsibility to sort of make sure we're able to div- sort of deliver on, on, the, on the ambition that we've got. But to a certain extent, you're only there employing skills which you've employed probably most of your work in life, in business. It's the same principles, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've tried to go about it in that way, you know. Um, probably a statement of the obvious, really. But, you know, when you when you think about it, when we when the club came back here to what is now Mariners Park, yeah. you know, we hadn't had any investment whatsoever. And so we did produce a business plan. So back to the point about trying to do things correctly. You know, we wrote a plan and we had a set of assumptions within the plan about revenues and costs. And we blew those out of the water in the first year. Mm. And it's been a kind of iterative process, you know, because every year goes by, you know, you learn something new. And I do think now, all right, it's only three and a bit years in, but we've now got a very detailed model. 
that we use to understand the revenue drivers for the club and, and the cost base, you know, and we report on it monthly. So we run the club correctly, you know, proper P&L, cash flow, balance sheet, we look at that every month. We, um, you know, we, we know what we've got to invest in and we know what we've got to do to, to, to attain the sort of success that we, we think yeah. the club can, can deliver on. Do you think the success on the field in the first two years... And the fa- that fantastic, you know, four trophy season. Yeah. In a way, did that increase expectations that were perhaps unreasonable? Do you think? Well, no, I don't. I would never say the expectations are unreasonable. I think it's just that it, they've got bigger. But yeah, um, it, it's been that good. The, you know, the period I'm talking about. Just a few yeah. weeks ago, we were right in the middle of those four away defeats. Yeah. Uh, Twitter was going viral. The trolls yeah. were coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Can I just ask a question? Because it was about that time the project EFL landed on the desk with a yeah. great thump, and I thought, I wouldn't blame you if you did. But had that been brought forward? No, no, it hadn't. It no. was always part of the plan. Because it was perfect foil. Yeah, no, it was always part of the plan. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish I had. I wish I could. Well, I'm sure it was, but yeah. um, I just wondered if you tweaked it and brought it forward a couple of weeks just to. No, you'd give me some intelligence there that I don't possess. <laughs> but no, I, you know, we had that plan. I mean, you know, we've been very open about the ambition for the club. Mm. I've been very open about that. And as I've just said, you know, we're trying to run the club correctly. You know, by the way, I'm not suggesting that any other non-league football club wouldn't. But, but, you know, we're trying to do things in the right way. And so, you know, I just see us at a certain point in time in terms of our development. And Project EFL was a nice way of, if you like, giving our ambition some identity and some branding and some some form yeah so it's not so just every- nebulous yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so everybody yeah, see that yeah. and also you know it was about a kind of call to action you know because the club's only going to work as i keep saying if the fans continue to turn up and we need more of them and mm. if and if the businesses around south tyneside can back us and continue to support us many of whom have done for a number of years but you know we need that to continue and we need more of it so really project efl was a way of sort of as I say, trying to encapsulate in, in one phrase mm. what the club's trying to achieve and, yeah. more importantly, this call to arms for, mm. both, for both fans, sponsors and the community generally. Mm. Do you know, it's, it's got me so excited. I'm getting on a bit now, so there's not much makes me excited that I haven't <laughs> seen before. But seriously, I just wish I lived back in the town. I haven't lived here for 35 years, but I come up for every game and the academy games. I mean, it's got the whole town excited, but... Um, there's always a certain percentage of people who, as soon as you start to dip a little bit, because you will know as well as I do, success is not linear. Yeah. It goes up and down like yeah. that. But yeah. in every one of those dips, yeah. you will get the um, the winges. Those are the no, you're right. 21, etc. You're right. And of course, you know, we, we during that period where we had that poor run of away form, yeah. as you'd expect, you know, we, well, I say we, you know, Lee and, I've got complete faith in Lee and Graham. So, mm. you know, they were busy. You know, analysing and re-evaluating everything that they do in terms of preparation and, and, and execution. And yes, we had debates about, you know, was there something that we should be doing more of or is there something that we're not doing that we should be doing or something that we are doing that we shouldn't, etc. So there was a lot of that analysis. But the bottom line is, you know, I don't think, I'm just giving you my personal opinion, having had those debates internally with not just Lee and Graham but also across the management team, the view is that we were doing the right things. We did have a run of unfortunate events, if you like. You know, yes, some poor performances. Can't hide away from that. Also, though, we had some injuries. You know, yeah, yeah. a lack of options yeah. up front. Yeah. 
you know, a couple of dismissals on the pitch that also made made yeah. made, made uh, results much more difficult. So you, if you take all of those in the round, it was just that sort of perfect storm of three or four things mm. happening that mm. just. But you know, we we just kept doing the right things. Lee and Graham again, preparing correctly, and you know, I haven't mentioned the first team, but you know, the lads. We've got a great dressing room, a really talented group of players. There's good spirit there. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I'm as close to that as, I, as I'd like to be because I leave matters to Lee and Graham. But my point is, the lads in the dressing room have responded the right way, and I've got no doubt that we'll be knocking on the door at the end of the season, mm. if not. Well, you know, it's always dangerous, of course, to uh, predict. But I've yeah. said publicly before, our ambition is to get promoted this year, and that hasn't changed. Well, I would never say we are going to, no. but I would always say our, we yeah. intend to. It's got, always got yeah. to be the hope, yeah. surely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why, why would anybody say at the beginning yeah. of the season, we're going to consolidate this year, yeah. we're not interested in promotion? Yeah. doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, no, not at all. Having spoken to Lee and Graham a couple of times, I know how they view not just... A footballer's individual talents as important, but also their mindset, their attitude, how they get on with the other players. And I know that some of the ones that have left in the last couple of years have been for that reason, rather than you can't play football, son. Yeah. But one thing I did want to ask you about, it must have been very difficult actually giving John King the bad news. Yeah, that was extremely difficult. Yeah. And I've commented on it before, you know, and... Um... You know, John had done a great job for us. Yeah. And I'm sure that for a number of years to come, people will question whether I did the right thing or, you know, a number. I'm not going to win everybody over with no, that. No, of course you're not. All I would say is that I tried to take a long term view and I tried to take the view of what's in the best interests of the club in the longer term. And that's not meant to be a slant on John. You know, I still have contact with him. He's still as passionate about South Shields as, as he ever was. But it was just, you know, everybody has a sort of point in time where it's the right time to sort of move on, you know. And, I mean, that will happen to me at some point in time, you know. <laughs> so that's just the way of the world, isn't it? And that's not to be dismissive or rude to John because he did a great job for us. But, you know, I hope the fans, uh, again, time will tell and will be the judge of it. But, you know, we've um, progressed since. We continue to progress. And I think we've got a great setup. Which is kind of proof that you had made the right decision. Uh, I've heard it a lot said that um, you know it's basically John King's team. I don't think it is now, but at one stage I think it was. Yeah, there was a period when that was probably true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's not true now. I did get the impression that I wouldn't say that Lee and John agreed on everything. Um, I think, well, you know, John brought Lee in. Lee and John have a different approach yeah, to things. more of a total football guy, isn't Yeah, he? and probably a little bit more analytical. Yeah. John's more of an emotional leader. Equally, you know, you take Lee and Graham. You know, they're different, oh, but completely but, but, different, but, yeah, but complementary, co yeah. complementary to one another. And the fact that they'd worked together for ten years, um, you know, at Monk Seaton, it wasn't like a huge risk, you know, because people from the outside looking in would think, well, why have you got joint managers? Isn't that a massive risk? But they know uh, yeah, but they, they they know each other so yeah, well, and yeah. they've worked together for such a long period of time. And as I've just said, they've got complementary skills and experiences, and for that reason, I think it works well. Yeah. I think it works superbly. Sorry, it was a Lee quote I was looking for. He said, if we'd kept the same personnel that we inherited as a management team for the rest of the season, we wouldn't have had a single trophy in that cabinet at the end of it. Which I think is telling. Is that what Lee said, has it? Yeah, right. well, yeah. according to Rossi, <laughs> <laughs> the journalists sometimes make things no, up. No, no, no. I mean, it sounds like a Lee quote, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think, you know, the old 
adage of nothing is constant other than change. Yeah, and um, absolutely right. All I know is that I know Lee and Graham, myself, Keith, our chief exec, and you know David, Darren, Dan, Steve, Cam in the foundation, Jamie, Wes. You know, there's a whole cluster of people who are pushing this club forward, and every one of us is doing so with the right intent and mm. with with only one focus. Mm. That doesn't mean that we're um, arrogant or infallible and that we can't make mistakes. But one thing I would say is that we're honest. And certainly in my case, if I think that we've made an error or a mistake, we'll correct it and we'll correct it quickly. Mm. So it's about agility as well. I don't mean in a footballing and no. sporting sense, but you know, the kind Those of... Days me- are gone, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well and truly. I don't think I ever had them. But, um, but no, the sort of mental agility and the honesty to know that if you have made an, an error or a mistake, that you correct it quickly. And then you learn from it, and you. I think it's better to make mistakes, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like um, you know, there's a lot going on off the field, and I, I often say to the lads when we have discussions about various initiatives that I'd rather get on and do something and try something new than necessarily spend six to nine months talking about it and planning it. And that doesn't mean that I'm I'm implying we're shoddy and we no, don't think things through. Do it off the cuff, but, yeah. but I'd rather you know execute quickly, learn quickly. Mm adapt quickly and, and improve something than you know spend a disproportionate amount of time thinking and planning and and, and then often getting left behind because somebody else has already done mm-hmm. it so you know that's yeah. that's, that was that's how I like it. yeah indeed um if i can move on to something um, um the more general topic of uh, millionaire stroke benefactors owners coming in and taking there's been good there's been bad and there's been the ugly on that and we all know what names there are you've got I mean, just in this season, you've got Thamesmead, Ebbsfleet United, Blythe AFC have folded, Jarrow Roofing, po- very possibly North Therapy United might not exist at the end of the season. And most of them have been with a guy who's come in. I, I don't know the amounts they've come in with. But, um, you know, what is the difference between the success here? I, I think we can assume that three years up the line, it has been a success. And the failure that they've made, in some cases, been there as long as you have. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think, firstly, I'm not arrogant enough to think that I'm somehow smarter or have deeper pockets than those other people who've tried it and, and failed. Mm. So that's quite important. Uh, but you know, and again, I'm not saying that for effect. It's about you know, humility, manners, and and, and being sort of analytical and, and sort of thinking these things through. So so my point really is there that I'm no smarter than some of those who failed before, and I'm certainly no wealthier than some of those who failed before. What I'd like to think is that what I tried to do when we came back to, to South Shields was um, invest in the right things. So what I didn't do was in isolation throw loads of money at the first team and do so without investing elsewhere. So, you know, we own the freehold here, therefore we own all of our revenue streams. So what I've tried to do is invest progressively in those things as well as investing in the first team. And there are some examples of, and I'm not necessarily saying that the ones you mentioned earlier are are the ones that apply here, but what I would say is you hear stories of wealthier people or benefactors coming in, taking over a club, throwing money at the first team, not considering some of those other things. And, of course, then it's just kind of a castle built on sand because either somebody loses enthusiasm, runs out of money, or doesn't have the underlying revenue streams to support what they're doing. So what I've been trying to do, and we're not there yet, by the way, so you know, be under no illusion, what I've been trying to do is invest in you know, the infrastructure. So you know, all of our fans will have seen 
the investment in our you know in our club the clubhouse it might be modest still but you know we've tried to do the best we can with the facilities we've got so we've got you know some decent bar facilities we've got some function rooms we've got the marquee we've invested of course in the pitch mm. the 3g so all of these things are, are important sort of for me personally and i'm just trying to be analytical about it and apply some business logic and say right what are we going to need in order to to have sustainable revenues moving forward mm. that will allow the club to continue to succeed beyond my tenure at the club and that's really all that i've ever tried to do yeah Having said that, Terry, the fact is, you know, the club isn't profitable um, and nobody needs to be shocked by that. It's a matter of public record. If you went on a company's house, you'd see. It does shock people who don't know about that sort of yeah. thing, Jeff. I'm not being yeah. snobby there, but it it was expected, I would have thought. Well, if, if you look at our crowds and our incomes, you know, they are materially stronger than most people in our in our current position. And I won't quote other clubs, but I know for a fact that we will have, if not the highest revenue in the league and in the leagues we've been in previously, if not the highest, certainly top 10%. Mm. And that applies to the season now. But of course, I've just mentioned the, the investment we're making both in the first team and in other things. I also mentioned earlier that we've got this detailed model where we can look at all of the revenue streams, you know, all of the things that drive revenue. The obvious one is you know, match day revenue, so gate receipts through the turnstiles. But there's also a host of others, you know, whether it's selling 50-50 lottery, whether it's selling, um, you know, the programmes, obviously the beer, food, obviously our sponsor revenues. And then, of course, there's a whole host of other non-match day revenues, whether it's the 3G rental that the community use and the, the foundation use and, and indeed, you know, our academy use. So, there's, you know, there's, there's income from the 3G. There's obviously non, non-match day hospitality, you know, re- room hire, renting rooms, parties, events. Mm. And we're, we're going to try and do more and more of those mm. things. So without boring you to death... No, it, I'm not bored. Well, no. you look at like, the sort of revenue streams, and the, the obvious one is what happens on a match day. Mm-hmm. But it's also trying to enhance those revenue streams for non-match day. Mm. And that's why, again, the investment I've tried to make is in all of those areas, as well as just investing in the first team. So mm. it's about the whole thing. Now, that point, and I keep repeating it, but, you know, we want to have a sustainable community football club. And what does that mean? It means that those revenue streams are robust and that they're growing. You know, that we've got a... I've touched on things like, the, you know, the foundation. I'm thrilled about what's happening there and what Steve Cam and others and all the parents involved and all the volunteers that are yeah. involved. So the foundation's beginning to grow legs and develop and make a real contribution to the community we're in. I touched on the academy, obviously some real talented players there within mm. the academy that we're trying to develop and, you know, eventually, you know, hopefully they can represent us as they are doing in the first team. And then we've got the junior or the futures academy that we've yeah. launched with Mortimer. So my point is there's this whole array of things that are so going many on. tentacles, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. And, and, and so it's quite complex and it's very multifaceted. But the underlying principle is make sure we're investing in all of the right things other than just throwing money at the first yeah, team. That, I mean, I wrote a wonderful programme piece a couple of weeks ago, Jeff. I'm sure you read it. Oh, dear, shame on me. You're going to ask me some <laughs> difficult questions. Right? No, it was about that very thing. It's no good dropping a parachuting a dollar per cash into a, yeah. an ailing club's bank account and clearing the overdraft. You've got to have... Yeah. It's that old proverb, uh, give a man a fish, any leap for a day. Yeah. Give a man a fishing rod... Yeah. Until yeah. elite for a very, lifetime. Yeah, it's a good yeah. analogy, and, and, and in a way, you've got to yeah. get the people through those turnstiles yeah. because 
I mean, I've always said, you know, to your credit, that you could walk around this club and spend a blooming fortune if you wanted to, but you've got to get through the turnstile first. Yeah. But you've got other things as well, as I say, well, I'm just going to repeat what you said, you've got other revenue streams as well outside the ground. Well, no, I think what, I'm, what I was trying to demonstrate is that we're clear what all of those revenue streams are mm. and we're trying to build on them mm. so that we've got a sustainable commercial model for the club. Yeah. And... You know, on that point, as I've just said, you know, they're, they're quite multifaceted. You know, there's a lot of them. There's a number of things to consider. Um, some of them are early stage, like our foundation still evolving and developing, which isn't a profitable arm of the club. It's a no, non-profit it's a charity, charity foundation. Yeah. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's an important part of what we're trying yeah. to achieve, a very important part of what we're trying to, to, to grow and develop. So not to lose my way, I think what I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, we've got this business plan. We've got a set of numbers. We're not yet a profitable football club. But we're in an investment phase, and my view is that we've got to get to a point where we can regularly have three or four thousand people come into a home game at Mariners Park. And once we get to that position, the club is then profitable and sustainable. And you know what? People will say, "Well, hang on, Jeff. You know, three to four thousand people come into a home match. We have had that on occasion." But it's rather cosy here when we've got three, three, three to three and a half thousand. It's not just that you can't see very well. Yeah, either. yeah. But um, you know, but we recognise that. Yeah. So you know, I've said again publicly, we've recently purchased uh, the warehouse opposite. So you know, I've just spent one point two million pound on that, mm. plus the VAT. And again, I'm not saying that figure to be flash or to be egotistical. It's just a fact. You know, we've had to invest that kind of money mm. because without that the club hasn't got an opportunity to grow its facilities. Now, we've still got to go through a complex planning process. We've had a pre-planning application submitted to the council that's been favourably received, although there are a number of hurdles still to jump, and we're about to submit a detailed planning application probably the early part of next calendar year. And that will allow us... The reason why I mention that is, again, all part of that theme of trying to develop the facilities here so that we can accommodate three to 4,000 fans... Yeah. And what we're looking to do is build a new stand, build a new community building, add to our facilities so that we've got, you know, more food and beverage offerings. We've got more seats. You know, there's more capacity so that people can come down and, you know, watch a great game of football, but do so in some comfort and be entertained, but also fed and watered and, and, and enjoy the experience. Yeah. So you might say, well, that's a statement of the bloody obvious, but... Uh, that's, that's not always that obvious, though, is it? Well, we've Some... got to get there, you know, and yes. the problem is we yes. haven't got the infrastructure yet no. to support three mm -hmm. to 4,000 fans. Yeah. And until we get to that point, the club won't be, well, I can't say it won't be profitable, but it will be more difficult for the club to be sustainable and profitable because we need that capacity. And, you know, it doesn't need a mathematician or an accountant to sort of run the numbers. You know, if you've got three to 4,000 fans coming in and spending their money... Instead of 12 or 1,300. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing we try to do, just to illustrate that point, is that, you know, we've, I mentioned it to you briefly before we started this interview, but we've invested in data, we've invested in systems. So we're probably one of very few clubs at our level who've got this uh, online ticketing system, and it allows us to understand who our customers are, uh, we're going to encourage our fans more and more to buy online, mm. not to be bloody difficult, but actually what it allows us to do is understand more about them and their needs. It allows us to then find more of them. 
it allows us to push offers and, and incentives and promotions to our fans. Mm. Because without that, imagine Terry, I know again, a statement of the obvious, but you, you open the turnstiles at 12 o'clock on a Saturday and you keep your fingers crossed that people are going to turn up. Now, how many businesses can operate like that? You know, We need to know who our fans are and we need to know what their needs are and we need to be able to promote, as I say, products and services to those fans and we need to be able to clone them. You know, you can't just assume that by being successful on the pitch and opening the turnstiles and maybe having a few more seats and a bit more capacity that everyone's going to turn up. No. It's not that simple. No. In my opinion, by the way, I'm... I'm well, well, no, no, I think you're right. It's got to be... Gone are the days where you just turn up and watch the football match and go home. It's, it's, a, it's a match day experience yeah. now. Yeah. And you've got to provide the, the points where people can actually add to your value and yeah. to their experience of the day. Well, the other thing that it does, you know, all of what I've described, is it's about, as I said, being analytical and, and being data-led. To the extent that we know what our average revenue per attendee is at a game, we know where the money is spent. And, of course, we want to be able to drive not just the number of attendees that come into the club... I'd love to but see also, those figures. Yeah, I mean, I'll happily share them with you. <laughs> uh, but, we, you know, well, just as, a, as, as one statistic, our average revenue per attendee is just north of £13 per game per attendee yeah. at home. Now, imagine, I've just I've emphasised the need to have more people in the gate, i.e. more £13. But, of course, the other, the other challenge is, instead of it being 13 quid, could we make it... 16 or 17 quid or 20 quid and by the way none of that is about greed no no because it's all about generating profit for purpose yeah so that we can reinvest <clears throat> every penny of it into the club now of course i might fail but i do believe that i and moreover the people around me and the team around me that we can deliver on that mm. i.e we can get the infrastructure right and improved we can get an infrastructure that supports three to four thousand fans and we can get, therefore, that kind of volume of people through the gate. And equally, hopefully, a lot of them will spend more than £13.49, pence, mm. which is our average revenue per attendee. So I might sound a bit odd when I say all of that, but I do try and look at it in that kind of analytical way because we can break down where the 13 quid spent, you know, and so we can say, well, look, you know, if we want to drive more beer sales, then maybe there's something we could do. You know, the... the I'm stating the obvious, but and I'm labouring the point a little, but it's just because I'm trying to I'm trying to suggest or I'm trying to paint a picture of a group of people here who are being very thoughtful and, and, and analytical about how they run the club. Unless you're analytical, how can you know how you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Because if you've got an average figure of thirteen forty nine per head spent, including the turnstile price, and you can analyse it again because you've got that data and that software then that's the only way you're going to know, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it has to be. Yeah. Or you just, I'm exaggerating the point to make the point, but you, you go back to the old way of opening the turnstiles, hoping the sun's shining, and hoping you play a decent game of football and keeping everything crossed. And if all the stars are aligned. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's no way to run a successful no, no, business. That, that, no. that, 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 and a business, as I keep repeating, Terry, it's about the long term, because, you know, I see myself, I've said this before as well, but I see myself as the kind of custodian of the club and the caretaker for want of a better term and there will be a time when the ownership structure will change you know mm. and um, i'll come on to that later if, if that's all yeah right. of course um yeah there's four of us in this podcast team and i always ask the guys i'm interviewing lee and graham or or yourself any questions one in particular i think you've virtually covered but it was just we're talking about million millionaire benefactors and and, and owners and all that sort of thing 
and there was talk about the attendance that we need. Does it start to get you a bit itchy about self-sufficiency when um, crowds have slumped a little? I say slumped, that's a, that's a bad word. When they've dipped below expectations, does it mean then you have to turn the screw on marketing? You've virtually answered that, but anything else yeah, to say? Yeah, well, that? I don't know whether I answered fully your earlier point about, you know, millionaire benefactor and... What I was, if I was going to summarise my previous answer, it was mm. about me not being somebody who just throws money at the first team and that the management team I've got around me, that we're being analytical and we're trying to invest in a whole range of things that drive revenues for the club, not just match day revenues, but no. other non-match day revenues. So that was my summary of the yeah. earlier question. And, and hence, therefore, I'm hoping we're slightly different to some other people's approaches, but that may or may not be true. I'm just, I'm just telling you what we're, what we're yeah. trying to achieve. Yeah. On the attendances this year, yes, they have been slightly disappointing, mm. but we're not a, we're not materially lower than the no. average gate last year. It we are does lower. It sound like it from what David was yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, David was quoting us some numbers earlier, and yeah. I, I, I haven't got the, the statistics to hand, but you know, we're probably a couple of hundred shy of that's what he quoted. Yeah. And we've got some exciting initiatives because I, you know, again, I repeat myself, but I talked about data and the use of data. You know, we've been running, for example, recently a new online competition to encourage fans to introduce new fans to the club and you know it's an online competition and fans can enter the competition and there's various prizes that are available and, oh, good. and we're going to do more and more of those kind of things yeah. and they're not gimmicks they're they're all intended to encourage our fans to bring a mate along or to introduce a neighbor or a friend to the club and to get this kind of cloning effect for want of a better term yeah. Of, yeah. of our fan base exactly. so excuse me so um did I answer your question there? I think yes, I think you did. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is that uh, yes, it's been disappointing this season, and but it doesn't worry you because we're not massively away from yeah. that, and we know that we've got the yeah. analysis right, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, and thank you because I think that that last that's a good way of summarising it. Thanks because I think if I was just sitting on my hands, or we were all here sitting on our hands, thinking, oh shit, the uh, you know the gates are down by a couple of hundred, and we had no idea how we were going to try and address that then I think that would be a slightly different problem or circumstance. Mm. So, again, not arrogance, but we think we've got a number of things that we can do. Mm. Obviously, success on the pitch is a key thing, of course. But, you know, there are a number of things that we can do. It is, but it's not the only thing, yeah. is it? No, it's not. So, so my point in summary is that I think there's a number of things that we're trying that we are increasingly beginning to try, because some of this is quite new. I mentioned the ticketing system already, but, you know, we're relaunching our, our website. We're investing heavily in that. We're investing heavily in a fans forum as part of the functionality of the website to encourage both our fans to talk to one another and to debate, but also to encourage our sponsors to you know, offer products and services to our fans. So there's a real online community that we're trying to create, none of which was possible before. So the new website, we're hoping to have that complete by the end of this calendar year and launched in, in the early part of uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. So all of these things, you know, uh, not one of them in isolation solves the problem, but taken together, all of these initiatives we think will have a big impact on what club does and, and what it represents, and hopefully fans will respond by turning up mm. and, and being part of it. Well, I, I, without bullying us up to any degree, I, I think part of the purpose of the podcast is to get it out yeah, there thanks, what Jim. is happening behind the scenes and don't worry guys yeah etc etc not think it's anything to worry about but some people think there are sometimes um yeah can i can i talk about um project afl 
in as much as the Fleetwood model's been mentioned, and yeah. I believe you you know Andy Pilly, is I it? do, yeah, I yeah. do, yeah. I mean, I know Andy spent an awful lot of money at Fleetwood, and you have to applaud everything that he's done, and there are other examples, you know, Filed being another. Yes. I've met David, the, the chairman there. So there's a, you know, there's a number of, yeah, yeah, indeed, there's a number of examples. So we're trying to emulate some of that. But I just, I just had a look at their average attendances for the last, ooh, 10 or 12 years. Right. The last season they were in the Northwest Counties, when they finished as champions in 2005. Now, Andy had taken over two years before that. Their average attendance was 206. Yeah. The following year, in um, the equivalent to the league we were in last year, they were owners up in that league and promoted in 2006. It had doubled, well, more than doubled to 456. And there's a gradual progression. It starts to kind of plateau when they got to, when they won the uh, League Two playoffs and actually got into League One, where they've been, this is their fifth season in League One. Yeah. And it's plateaued around 3,100, yeah. 3,200. Yeah. Now, that's with the new stadium as well. You might yeah. know more about yeah, that. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah, indeed. I mean, Andy's invested a lot of money there. I think the important thing to say is, what I take from that, and I didn't know those stats before you mm. shared them with me, is that proves, you know, if you look at what happened here, you know, we had average gates of around 70 when we're playing down in Peter Lee. And, you know, it, it grew to something like north of 700 the first season back and then to 1,200 and then to around 1,500. Again, I'm, I might misquote some of the stats here. but so Sounds about right, yeah. But, so we're following a, a not dissimilar trend to, yeah. to Fleetwoods. And I also mentioned earlier our investment plans for, you know, a new stand and bigger infrastructure so we can accommodate more people. But I suppose the one thing I haven't said is, you know, Fleetwood is a small town just outside of Blackpool and... We're a town of approaching yeah. 80,000 people. Yeah. And South Tyneside, a conurbation of about 160,000. So if you if you just do the numbers, you know, there is no reason, just on a pure percentage basis, why we couldn't deliver on, on much bigger gates than that of, of Fleetwoods. The parallels are quite remarkable, really, because uh, Fleetwoods on a corner. They've got Morecambe Bay to the north. They've got the Irish Sea to the west. We're on a corner. Yeah. Nobody passes through Fleetwood or South Shields. You've yeah. got to be going there because we've got the Tyne to the north and the North Sea to the east. Yeah. There's so many parallels and that would be great. But I mean, they've had six promotions in ten seasons, but they're kind of stuck in League One, so they're going to need a... I don't know what, I don't know what they need, you tell me. Well, to get a bit further than that. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say I had the answers, I think. And, it's, and it is always healthy to, or, or a little healthy to test how we're doing relative to some of those other examples. Mm. But I just think, I just look at the sort of hard data again and say, look, we're a big town. We're, we're a, a town with a massive football and heritage. And a yeah. town that always has already supported a bigger yeah, a club. When it was bigger. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, why not again? And I do believe, so back to your point about Project EFL, it's a genuine and sincere labelling of our ambitions and a mm. way of trying to get our fans to identify with what we're trying to achieve, <clears throat> trying to get not just existing fans, but new fans to identify with it, new sponsors, existing sponsors, the whole community to be aware of what our aspirations are and to play a part in it. And by the way, that doesn't mean me asking for people's money necessarily, although that helps because it goes into the revenue streams for the club, but it's about the identity and the enthusiasm and being part of the journey that we're on. And, you know, we've got a number of things planned, so we're going to have some collateral that we're going to share with our sponsors and our fans so that they can use it on their maybe their email footer or on their letterhead 
or on window stickers or on other, whether it's a mug or a, a banner. My point is getting some momentum behind this whole theme of yeah. Project EFL. Yeah. You might argue some of that's gimmicky. I don't think it is. It's just giving it some proper identity and allowing people to get behind it. Well, if it's gimmicky, it's a path well trod. Replica shirts, yeah. window stickers, mugs, key rings, you name it. Yeah. And you can't dismiss it as a yeah. gimmick. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, because it, and it's very profitable. Yeah. I think that we're losing out on the retail a little bit on stuff like that. That little shed over there is very porky. And I know you've got, you've got limited space here. but Yeah, I think it's, I mean, you're right. I, I can't pretend that we've got this palatial... Oh, no, I know that. Yeah, uh, you've got restrictions on that sort well, of... I kind of we're trying to get there kind of iteratively, if you like, because you know there's nothing I'd like more than to have some really elaborate retail space. Maybe we should be doing more down in the town, perhaps. But uh, that's something to think about. That was mentioned at the Q and A. Yeah, actually. it was. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, we, I think we do need <coughs> to have a bigger presence there. Mm. So there's a number of things we need to do more of, and, and and we need to do better. Merchandising. I mean, obviously, the season we won the Vars was probably a bumper year for us in terms of merchandise sales. But we're not tracking much below that this year. Uh, we did change the uh, shirt supplier, and obviously we've got the new shirt, Home and Away. We've got a deal with Puma that we think is very competitive, and we've tried to give enough stock. You know, it's always difficult because you know there's all sorts of yeah. well, there's also a cash flow implication for the club. You know, you've got to be able to manage that stock. The last thing we want to do is overstock, not sell it. Yeah, so there's, a, mean, there's a difficult balance there. I haven't. I know we've got an online shop. I haven't actually seen it, but I suppose the new website that you've just spoken of, if that's got an online yeah, it has got on online it, store, yeah. then you can almost, I suppose, yeah, yeah, see what the demand yeah. is yeah. coming oh, in. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. We can courier product, and uh, so you don't have to hold as much stock. Yeah, of course, you're right. The supply chain has to be able to support yeah. that. But yeah. you're right. And Terry, I mean, it's, it's, that's just a good example of. I mean, you're right. You look at our little cabin over there. It's. It's better than it was. It's better than it was because it used to be (laughs) in the office next door. That's right. Um, So you know, it's a it's a small incremental improvement on what we've had before, but it's by no means the finished product. No. No. Our idea is when we get the new stand, we'll have a club shop, and we'll have a, as you've just touched on, more importantly or as importantly, a stronger online presence and an online Mm. um, shopping capability. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot to do, and actually that's another learning for me. You know, because I remember when I first got involved. And my wife was quite hands-on, and my stepdaughter at the time as well. And the first few games, you know, we worried about how many pies did we have to order and how many programmes to print. Gary Crutwell obviously was the linchpin of the club, along with other committee members, Mm. but Gary was at the centre of all of these debates with me. And I remember even, you know, Andre and my wife running across to bloody, I don't know whether it was Costco or even up to Asda to get some more beer, because we were just first one of the first few home games we'd... You know, sold out. Yeah. <laughs> so I laugh about it now, but I mean, I use that as an example of how, at the very beginning, we were worrying about how many pies to order and how many programs to print and how much beer did we have in stock. All of which is still important, but of course now the things that you're dealing with are so much more. Well, they're more complex. There's more of them, and it's so it's, it's a massive learning curve. You know, you never quite yeah. finish the job because there's always something else yeah. that you can do better. And they're all going to move forward at different rates, aren't they? Yeah, like absolutely. You've got the restriction on space, really, for the retail outlet. Yeah. So you can't do anything about that at the moment. Yeah. But you've got the. And, and I also said, you know, and I don't hide behind it. You know, the club isn't profitable yet, and therefore I'm trying to be very prudent and sensible about where money is spent. So whilst I'm investing some of my own monies, 
I'm doing so, I hope, sensibly, because I don't want to end up like some of the people you've touched on before, yeah. where you just kind of go out in a blaze of, not glory, but a, a blaze of infamy. Well, it's like a firework. It's like a sparkler at <laughs> London Lights, if you remember yeah. them. It's yeah. great for like a few seconds, yeah. then it's yeah. gone. Yeah, so that's not going to happen here, no. which is why, you know, we've done things incrementally mm. and made various smaller improvements. The answer isn't just dumping cash on the playing score, is it? No, it's not. I mean... can't be. It can't be. Although we are paying very competitively... Yeah. For the squad that we've got, and you know, I know that as a fact. Um, so you know, are you not... able to tell me what the playing budget is? Or I, I worry about doing that. Well, not don't be... and don't. Not because I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to hide it from our fans, but I just think some of our competitors. Yes, might not competitors. Be... <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying our yeah. circulation is bad, get... but you never know. Do you? What I can say is that we are certainly top top five percent, yeah. if not top one or two percent, and there's quite a of range. this league. Of this league, yep. yeah. And probably, if you compared us to conference north sides, we'll be, again, probably top 10% there, 10, mm. 10 to 20% there. And that's before we go full-time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, that, it's interesting you mention that, because, of course, that's a point in time in the future where mm. there's a step change required. Mm. And that's why I keep repeating the point about the infrastructure, because, you know, three or 4,000 fans in here regularly will allow us to... There's a bit of choreography needed, if you like, in terms of at what point do you move from being semi-professional part-time to full-time professional? And you'll know better than me, Terry, that you know there's probably about six or so clubs in Conference North where they're full-time, I believe, something of that order. And certainly, you know, all bar few that are full-time at conference level. So we know that there's only a number of a number of seasons ahead. Before we're going to have to be a requirement. To, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a requirement for us to compete at that yeah. level. And that will mean almost by definition the squad will change because there'll be some guys who don't want to make that change. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, I think it, so. it's sad but true that there yeah. are guys playing for us now who aren't going to make that journey. Not yeah. simply because they're getting a bit long in tooth, but because um, you know they've got their ambitions in life. And yeah, I mean, it's difficult for me to, to say. Yeah. I think what I would say is that obviously Lee and Graham will take a view on, on that yeah. and would always be open and honest with the squad. And we get, give everybody an opportunity to carry on on the journey that we're on. Some lads might want to make that transition, some some won't. But I mean, what what they'll be remembered for if the lads, if there are a number of them who don't continue, is you know they're the lads who've actually made all of this happen. You know, so so they've got their place in history, if you like. Courses uh, for courses, though, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And again, you know, I, I haven't applied any detailed thing into it because we're not anywhere near that point yet. No, no. Um, there was one thing, uh, talking about millionaire benefactors and owners, etc., and in some of the stories, um, I wouldn't like to hang a club on it, but in some instances, the benefactor has just walked away. Yeah. I'm assuming that that wouldn't be the case with you, because it seems as if the engine is running, and it's running well. It's not firing on our cylinders yet, but we can't, because X and Y need to be in place, etc., etc., yeah. But um, it's been seen, and I think it probably worries some fans. No, no, it's a very, again a really good question. So doomsday scenario. In the sad event that there's a cataclysmic nosedive in your personal fortunes, heaven forbid, what would happen then? All right. Again, is that a question you don't want to answer? No, no, no. I, I mean, it's a kind of because you know what life is. You just don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. Well, you know, life's full of knocks and yeah. ups and downs and um, 
it was interesting. It's fair to say that um, you know I stepped away from running a public company a few years ago, mm. and I'd made a certain sum of money. I wouldn't be rude to talk about money, but you know I'd, I'd done okay. Mm-hmm. I remained a shareholder of that business for quite some time until very recently, actually. The only point I'm making is that if I look now at what I thought that stock was worth and what it really has become worth, they're two very, very different numbers. So I could run an argument in my own mind that I'm materially worse off than I was when I started the journey with Shields. Mm. So why am I sharing that? It's just to demonstrate that in life it happens, you know, there's mm. ups and downs. I've already made a point, the point a couple of times that the club's not yet profitable. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I see it as an investment phase for the club. By the way, if we, you know, last financial year the club lost two hundred, well, just north of two hundred thousand pounds. <throat> but it was, it was planned. Now you might say that's a bit odd, but I keep repeating we are in an and an investment phase for the club. Yeah, and you also have to. Sorry to interrupt, but you have to look at it again. Look at it in the context of three years ago they were pence away from bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. still here. Yeah, so. And you know that investment and that loss, you know, it was because you know we brought Lee and Graham on full time. We brought not the name individuals, but you know, no, as an yeah. example, you know, Lee Graham, where's Jamie? The creation of our academy, all of that requires investment and mm. cash and mm. funding. Of course, it does. Um, and there's a lag sometimes between the costs that you need to investment incur and, return. and, the, and yeah. the revenues that follow thereafter, and it's mm. not always in the same season that you get the revenues no. and the returns. So I'm quite sort of aware of that and, 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 and trying to be analytical and Keith, our chief exec, who's also a, you know, he's a qualified accountant, Keith, so he is all over the numbers for me and for the management team. So I'm very pleased that we've got someone like Keith around mm. who kind of keeps his hand on the tiller, if mm. you like. So anyway, all I'm trying to say is that um, I'm trying to answer your question and I tend to waffle. No, don't worry. Is that I don't see a circumstance <laughs> where what you've said will happen. No. But of course, you know, we live in the real world. Mm. To answer your question then, my personal belief and desire and intent is to continue to invest in the club to the point where the infrastructure I mentioned earlier is complete. That we've got a commercial model for the club where it is sustainable. Mm. And then at that point, I would look to, uh, there's a number of options, I'll carry on. Yeah. Well, I'd either carry on, Yeah. you know, we've talked about looking at options like the club being partly owned or entirely owned by the fans, there might be the need for further investment and therefore there might be co-investors alongside me, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things, and again I wouldn't want to mislead the fans, are possible. They're all options. Yeah, but is there a plan to bet on any one of those ahead of any... Uh, ahead of any of the others no no we're just still in this early stage for me yeah. this is a job half done and we've got a number work of years in progress. yeah work in progress yeah. a number of years to go i mean <clears throat> even if you think about it from a practical point of view let's say we i don't want to assume anything because we've got to get through planning but if we were successful and we get through planning and we're able to build our stand that would take us through until and this is a bit of a wet finger in the air but you know we wouldn't get planning approval until early summer 19 the work would take 18 months to two years so you're suddenly into 21 i'm, I'm not maybe you're not doing the calendar justice here but it does sound i could see, right. I could yeah. see myself it's a yeah. big job yeah. yeah it's probably t- season 21 22 
at best mm. before we've got all of the infrastructure we need to do what, we, what yeah. I touched on earlier. And of course, you just mentioned there, it's not a job, it's not like putting a few rows, rows of seats in or, uh, or bringing in a stand on the back of a lorry and just putting it up at the yeah, end of the no, ground. we want to do it properly. It, it's major. So it will be massive disruption, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing we haven't even fully considered. Yeah. You know, the, what we've done is we've got a group of advisors, mm. so we've got, you know, planning consultants, architects, various, we've got a design team, you know, we've got a whole host of people involved. The management team here have all been involved in defining functionally what we want, you know, what are the functional requirements, even down to things like the size of the dressing rooms, how many dressing rooms, you know, um, rooms for the referees and officials, you know, there's a whole myriad of specification requirements, yeah. if you like. And then on top of that, for us as a management team, thinking about our fans, what do we need in terms of cellar, bars, hospitality, you know, there's a myriad of things to consider. So at the moment, what we've done is we've got all of those requirements into a kind of melting pot, into a sort of requirement specification, and we've got a set of advisors external to the club who are now helping us pull all of that together into a final design, and then that will lead to a detailed planning submission to the council, and then, of course, the, the council and the, and the planning function therein will have to decide the merits mm. of our of our, yeah. of our, our game. Well, the other thing is, you know, you've got to think about well, what do we need, not just on match day, but for us to be a community mm. football club. Yeah. What facilities do we need to support our academy, to support our foundation, and to support our ambitions to be at the centre of the community? Mm. And that's not just about having That's an important one, really. Massively, massively. Yeah, massively because yeah. the other point is about revenues, Terry. You know, you can't just have a club that survives on every other Saturday getting three or 4,000 people in here who mm. spend their money, oh, that's clearly very important. Mm. It's about what else can be done at Mariners Park on non-match days. So when we're building this new facility, or, or adding to our existing facility, rather, what, what do we need that could be used on non-match days to enhance, as I say, well, firstly, what's important to the community, what do they want? And secondly, how does it help our revenue streams? Mm. You know, it's a kind of interrelationship there. Yeah. Oh, I can see it's all intertwined. Yeah, you can't separate one strand no. because they all have to work. Yeah, indeed. For just going at different paces. Can I take you back to fan base clubs? I've always been a bit sceptical about that. Was I think Hibs, there's the likes Motherwell. of Hibs and uh, yeah. um, Motherwell. Uh, Motherwell, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Motherwell, Hibs. I could quote Barcelona, of course. You could. <laughs> yeah, you could. That <laughs> surprised me, to be honest. I didn't but, know that. And you're right. You know, Terry, I'm not sitting here saying that that, that is, is the answer. The, that is your and definite that is the aim. destination. No, that's good. It's just an option, you know. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't want to mislead the fans or anybody by saying that's that's the destination we'll end. I just think, you know, it's important to evaluate all of these options. Yeah. But, of course, it's interesting because, again, this is a sort of hypothetical point, but had I said in the first season back, right, lads, we're going to make this a fan-owned club, what did we really have then? What was I really? What would I have been asking the fans to do? We had a club that hadn't had a penny spent on it for God knows how many years, an infrastructure that was dropping to bits, a pitch that couldn't survive a winter, mm. you know, etc., etc. Mm. You know, there was just—it wasn't an investable. It wasn't even a credible thing to, to suggest. No. So we, back to my point about this investment phase, you've got to get this thing to a point where it's credible and it is investable, and it has this kind of longevity, this this commercial model that works, because without that, you know, you can't even consider some of these options, whether it's fan-owned or 
other investors or you know because you're not going to get there well, you never you're not going to get the point where you wouldn't even get off the yeah. starting block yeah. so yeah. so that's why I, I keep repeating the same thing you know we're in this investment phase we have been for a, a few years now and i see that continuing for a few more years mm. and i've got a view on what that's going to cost me personally i'm prepared to make that investment not to be again arrogant in any in any way you know all i'm doing there is you know i'm a, i'm i'm from south tyneside i'm from south shields I'd like to, without this sounding like a bit cheesy and a bit of a cliche, but, you know, I, I want to do the right thing. You know, it's my hometown. Get the club to a point where it's in a much better place. And it, as I keep repeating, it's got that infrastructure I've outlined. It's got this commercial model. It's got all of these things that it's doing in the community. It's foundations flourishing. It's academies flourishing. Get all of that done and built. And then we'll have a think about where do we go next. Mm. But we're not even there yet. So, no. you know, it's... No, it's just pine sky. It's just one of the options that might yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's virtually it, Jeff. No, There's only one thing I wanted to ask, and I, I mentioned it to you when we watched the heaven match, and in fact, it was during that discussion that I missed all of the goals. Basically. I think I did as well. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> I have a habit of doing that. But uh, I was, I was the international tournament was it um, was it successful financially, or was it never intended to be? A no, profit well, winner? well, well, no. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say. Uh, that it wasn't intended to be it was commercially we we, we just about washed our face with it so mm -hmm. you know we had to pay certain partners mm. for the privilege of getting those teams to, to, to come along yeah. so there was some costs associated with just running the event and obviously we didn't quite get the gates that we wanted and the weather didn't play well we, we, we shot ourselves in the foot you know <coughs> all right we couldn't predict the weather but we also had obviously all of that going on in south shields uh, you know yeah the the, the the concert down there at the park that's right so we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with the timing of it so we learned a mm. lesson but to be clear we didn't lose money and we just about broke even when i say mm. just about it was kind of marginal but we were it was still worth doing and we're still talking about repeating it mm -hmm. um but you know no that was the question, budget. basically. Would you think about yeah, doing yeah, it again I, next year I, or I was, just maybe yeah, the year after? Yeah. No, definitely. Keith's in yeah. discussions with the, the partner that we used last year, mm. and uh, they're still, you know, they're in talks with us about holding another event. I mean, obviously, we're not the only game in town because they'll be talking to other other clubs as well mm. and, and in other areas of the country. But we, we're very much uh, keen to do it and repeat mm. it. If I did so, though, I'd avoid that weekend, <laughs> and I'd just pray for better weather. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think um, yeah. You, you mentioned us missing the. Sorry, I digress slightly. No, no, go on. Missing the missing the goals when we were chatting at the Heaven game, but I I did the same thing on Saturday down at Whitby. Ended up going to the loo. Oh, going, going to the loo at exactly the wrong time. I missed missed the goal, but there you go. That was a lovely goal because I thought uh, he doesn't he doesn't score many Craig does he? But uh, I thought. He could quite easily have just lofted it over the top and that would have been a nightmare because yeah, the yeah. wind was horrible. Yeah, yeah, wasn't it? It spoiled the game, really. Yeah, and actually the wind was worse when it was behind us, which I suppose was to be to our advantage, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, yeah but I mean, that, that's you saying that you you, know, you, you missed that goal because you were in the loo. I often miss them because I'm talking, and I'm supposed to report the radio sometimes at <laughs> half-time. I was once within seconds of actually giving her the wrong score. <laughs> I found out I'd missed a goal, but yeah, but that's that's part of it. I go there for the crack. Yeah, I go there for the banter. Yeah, me it's too. a social occasion. Massively, 
And it's interesting, you know, I was out for dinner last night with John Wood, who's one of the, well, he's one of the principal shareholders and director at Toll, and, and I was out with his wife. Oh, yeah. And a few others at the uh, Newcastle United Foundation dinner. And I mention it because John and his wife, Chris, had come along to our game um, earlier, earlier this season, I think it was, the start of this season. And his wife was just commenting on what a great experience it was for her. She's a fanatical Sunderland fan, and John used to be on the board at Sunderland, so he's also a keen Sunderland fan and football fan. But anyway, the point is that they were commenting about what a great experience it was coming down here. You know, loved the food that they had here, loved the sort of atmosphere, the, this kind of, if you like, family-friendly environment that we've created, the banter and the crack. And I hope that we can, you know, I really hope and I believe we will, you know, retain all of that, you know, as we grow mm. up and get... I hope, we, I hope we will. I mean, and it's nice because it doesn't just happen here. We export it. I mean, yeah. the comments we get from clubs, and, and Whitby yeah. particularly said they've never seen a, a, a... And that's against the scenario of us just vers, virtually invading the ground. Yeah, yeah. You know, you it think, was well, incredible. It was like a home game. Yeah, yeah. It, was. it was. unbelievable. Everywhere you looked, it was claret and blue. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't just happen here. Yeah. It goes down on the buses to wherever, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, you know, I keep, I, I keep coming out with these stupid phrases, but, you know, it's not just about the destination, it's about the journey. Oh. And I think, for me, it's just been great fun the last yeah. three years. And I'm sure we've got a lot more fun ahead. Mm. I'm sure, yes, there'll be trying times as well. All I would ask is, when we do get into those situations, we just need the fans to be patient and, and to back us and to support us. And I think uh, the majority are, but I think what causes the problem is that sensible fans feel they have to jump to Shields' defence and they... They're just being baited yeah. most of the time, yeah. and they weighed in there. And I said to one guy, just ignore it. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, you know, because we have sort of, in the company that we're currently keeping, you know, a lot of people like to take a pop, pop at us because, you know, we've achieved tall a lot. Tall poppies. Yeah. That was yeah. another of my programme articles. Yeah, all right. Jeff yeah, Fletcher didn't yeah. say the oh, tall sorry. poppy syndrome. Yeah, 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 it is, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, people don't like success. Yeah, well, that's a British It's uh, a British trait, yeah, definitely, yeah. Sadly, yeah. That's all for now folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Do let us have your comments and feedback on social media. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can say Julio Arca. Hey!